Welcome back to another Adam Schefter podcast as we head in to week two of the NFL season. And we will be joined today by the assistant head coach and defensive coordinator of the Buffalo Bills, Leslie Frazier, who reflects upon his time with one of the greatest football teams of all time, the 1985 Chicago Bears, and talks about how it relates to the modern day Buffalo Bills that after one week of the season look like they could be the team to beat in the National Football League, Leslie Frazier, here today. And then we will be joined by John Brown, the father of Bears wide receiver Equinamia St. Brown and Lions wide receiver Amon Ra St. Brown. John Brown is a former amateur Mr. Universe twice, former Mr. World three times, and he raised three sons, two of whom have gone on to play in the NFL, and both of whom scored touchdowns opening day two minutes and 14 seconds apart in real time with Amon Ross scoring in Detroit and then Equinemius scoring in Chicago and John Brown getting to preside over it all. And we'll talk to him today about some of the secrets of becoming Mr. World and raising two NFL wide receivers. And the amazing part of week one to me is this. Every single team, all 32, go into the opener, all feeling like they have a chance to make a huge run. They go into the season with hope, optimism, promise. Everything is fresh. Everything is new and nothing is wrong. And then in the span of three hours, everything can change just like that on any Sunday. We saw it happen this past weekend for the Dallas Cowboys who locked at who lost Dak Prescott, their quarterback, to a fractured thumb that had Surrey on Monday. Jerry Jones thinks that Dak could be back in a month. Think probably six weeks, maybe more realistic, maybe eight, depending on how the recovery comes. But think about how much promise and how many hopes the Cowboys had going into the Sunday night home opener against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers when that game kicked off at roughly 8 Eastern. And think about how the Dallas Cowboys felt when the game ended three years later. Wow, what a change. And that change can happen on any single Sunday with any team with injury or any turn of events. How about the Denver Broncos who go into the season signing Russell Wilson to this huge new contract, have a new coach, Nathaniel Hackett. They're ready to take on everybody in this great division in the AFC West. Everything is just rosy. And then the game ends, the Broncos lose, and the coach is being criticized by former Broncos greats like Peyton Manning and Shannon Sharp on the Manning cast, and the honeymoon is over in Denver in one game. One game. It does it all the time. It's amazing how situations and outlooks change from week to week, but it's never more stark than it is on opening day when every team starts with a clean slate, and by the time it ends, half of them don't have that anymore. And that drama will continue to unfold in what it is, as I always say, the greatest reality show there is in the country, the National Football League. And here we go again. The single biggest story of the week had to be Lamar Jackson bypassing a five-year, $250 million contract extension 
that included $133 million fully guaranteed at signing. And Lamar bet on himself last season, and he was right. He was right to do that because the prices of quarterbacks have gone up. And he's betting on himself again. But I can tell you there are a lot of people who wonder about this decision. Having spoken to various front offices, various agents, they all thought, hey, I would have taken that deal. They feel like the greater the player, and Lamar is a great player, the less the guaranteed money matters. That basically him not getting the full guarantee really shouldn't have mattered when he was getting $133 million fully guaranteed at signing. But Lamar wanted a fully guaranteed deal. And so he's going to play it out. And that's his big bet on himself. And it is, I think, the biggest bet of the NFL season. And it's not close. And everybody will be watching him all season long, every single Sunday, to see whether he is going to be able to achieve what he wants and whether it was the right decision to decline a $250 million contract. As for today, we now turn to the defensive coordinator and the assistant head coach of the Buffalo Bills, the former head coach of the Minnesota Vikings, a man who played on the former 85 World Champion Chicago Bear teams. That's one of the most popular teams in NFL history. Buffalo Bills defensive coordinator, assistant head coach, Leslie Frazier. There he is. What's up, Adam? How you doing, man? Hello, Leslie. Nice to see you. Everything going well? Going well. Just finished the walkthrough, a good walkthrough, getting ready to get started for these Tennessee Titans. And here we go again. And thank you very much for your time in advance, Leslie. I really do appreciate it. And I want to reach out for a lot of reasons. First of all, I want people to hear from you again. I want to bring you back, put you in the spotlight again, right? Okay. But here's the deal. You've been around football for an awful long time. You were a player on one of the greatest teams in NFL history the 85 Chicago Bears. You've coached with some great teams. When we look across the league, you coached with the Eagles, you coached the Bengals, the Colts, the Vikings you're the head coach of, went down to Tampa, Baltimore. You've been with some unbelievable teams. I'm not trying to put pressure on this team right now, but how would you assess the team that you're currently with in Buffalo compared to all these that you've spent your football life with? Yeah, it's... um... That's a tough one because, you know, every year is so different in the NFL and the way teams turn over now from year to year, Adam, uh, with free agency, things change, man, a lot in one season. Uh, and we're no different. We got some new faces uh, to our team, uh, some guys that are going to really help us in 2022 to hopefully have a successful season. Uh, but one of the things that I really like about uh, this football team, it seems like there's great chemistry amongst the guys that they really like playing with each other. Uh, when I watched us in the offseason and then took a look at us in the preseason and practices, the way we were competing, I mean, if the guys were really getting after it, but yet when practice was over, they were hanging out together. Wow. That's usually a good sign. You know, it doesn't carry over uh, and, and become animosity or dislike. Uh, so that means guys are pulling for one another, even though you're competing every single day uh, for a roster spot and, and, and for what you're trying to get accomplished. So, Really like the brotherhood that I see on our team, and and that bodes well because there's some ups and downs in every NFL yeah. season, and you have to be able to get through those. And I think because of the the, the, the love that these guys have shown for one another, I think we'll have a chance to get through some of those bumps that you face 
Well, how rare is that? Because, again, you were a player from 81 on. You began coaching in 1988. Like I said, it's a life of football. Is that unusual for a team to have the type of bond that this year's Buffalo Bills team seems to have? You just don't always see it. Um, it's not, I don't want to say it's unusual, but it's just there's so many egos in our business, uh, even at the player level. Uh, so many guys that you know want that next contract. You know, I want to keep my career going, and they forget about the team part of it and what we're trying to get accomplished as a team. And I just get the sense that this is a very single-minded group. Uh, that they all want the same thing, and they're pulling for one another. Mm-hmm. And I mean, guys are not looking at one guy's success, say a Von Miller, for example. And saying, I wish that was me. Why is, Why am I not getting those headlines or Josh Allen or whatever? They, they just seem to pull for one another. And uh, it is a little bit unusual in today's age with social media and it's my brand. You know, I got to get my name out there. So it's refreshing uh, in a lot of ways. Now, we're still early, Adam. We haven't hit any adversity. But from what I've observed, that's what I see. Well, you talk about the brand for players And this has all evolved over time, and it's much different. What is the biggest difference in the sport that you've noticed in your nearly 40-plus years involved in it? Yeah, that's that's probably just the impact that social media has had. Uh, When I take a look back to when I was playing, when the media would sometimes travel with us to games, man, in our locker room all the time, and stuff would be going on, but didn't get out after. I mean, it was like, you know, it was just like an unwritten rule that, hey, you're not going to rat on this person or that person, even though they may not be doing something that might not be the right thing to do. Well, now, I mean, with the phone cameras and the social media, uh, it's just taking things to a whole nother level and the input, uh, sometimes the negative input, which influences uh, some of the players' behavior, uh, how they approach things. Uh, it's just It's just different in that way. You know what I was just thinking as you're saying that? Back when I covered the Broncos, I'd be in training camp with them. I'd be in the dorm. I'd be having three meals yeah. a day with them. Yeah. You were constantly with them, constantly. And it's not that way anymore. The access is not the same because there's more reporters. So yet, back in the day, there was more access, more exposure, and yet not as much coverage and noise as there is today when there's less of that. Yeah, that's 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 the big uh, difference in, in so many ways. And I mean, I'm sure you saw things uh, with the Broncos that could have been newsworthy and really created a fuss uh, with the fans, but you didn't report it. You know, you, you stuck to the sport, you stuck to the football part of it. And so it's just different today. It's different. What do you think the 1985 bears would have been like if social media oh, existed man. back then, Leslie? <laughs> oh man. Some of the stuff that was going on with, with me and my teammates, Wow, Adam, we would have made some headlines, let me tell you that. And we, even though we didn't have social media there, if you remember what our Super Bowl was like down in New Orleans with Jim McMahon oh, and, yeah. and wearing the headband with Pete Rozelle's name on it, I mean, and we moon, were doing mooning things. the news helicopters exactly. that were driving through the city, right? Yeah. He was mooning the helicopters, am I right? Yes, yes. So imagine that today if something like that went on today, man. It's just, you know, it's a different time, uh, the way those things get magnified today and the comments that would have followed. Uh, from the public if we were if we were still back in that time. And I don't know how many of the younger fans of today realize that you played for the 85 Bears, but if we think back to that period, Leslie, is there one story that you could and would tell about that team that stands out your memory that sort of typifies and symbolizes everything that that team was about? Because we all think back 
to certain periods and teams and eras. Yeah. And we all associate that with special times. Is there one thing that you always think about when it comes to that particular group of men? Yeah, I think it goes back to what we were talking about earlier. The bond that we had as a group, some of that had to do with we were a very successful team. We were very yeah. talented and we were really good. Uh, but there was a bond there that exists today. Um, you know, there are guys that will call me or text me and it's just like we were around each other yesterday, man, because of uh, those experiences and the respect that we have for one another. Mm. Uh, that's what sticks out of my mind, just the friendships that were created that have been really life lifelong. But does winning create that or does that get created before winning? I, I think it gets created before winning and winning kind of solidifies it wow. because you know, we had some good teams prior to winning that support. We were in the NFC Championship game the year before we won it. We were battling, but it was, uh, you know, a heartfelt loss to the 49ers the year before. Uh, but there was a bond amongst us that kept us going the following year mm -hmm. and really motivated us where everybody was pulling one another. And that's what I remember, just the bond, the respect, the love that we all have for each other. And, uh, and that was special. And, you know, I think back to, a guy like Buddy Ryan, you've heard the story how the night before the Super Bowl, uh, here we are as a defense, and he's just uh, – it wasn't public yet, but he was going to be the next head coach of the Philadelphia Eagles. He gives us a speech, and he tells us how much he loves us, and, and he'll, we'll always be his guys. And you know it's a farewell speech, and, and here we are, grown men, man, and guys are just getting all amped up and, 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 and teary-eyed and, and, and sad. And, and one of the guys, one of my, my teammates, I think it was McMichaels or Hampton, throws a chair through a, a, a bulletin board. And uh, just the emotion and the love that guys have each other and for their coaches as well. See, and refresh my memory. He announces to the team, basically, says goodbye to the team the night before the Super Bowl, that he's going to be the head coach of the Philadelphia Eagles. Does that story, because this is how I think, does that story get out before the Super Bowl? <laughs> or does it not surface until after the game? In today's NFL a be speech out. like that, it would get out. I mean, someone would tweet it, it would get out. Whereas there, I mean, we went out and played the game and we celebrated it and probably didn't make the headlines to the next day, you know, just a different time. Totally yeah. different time. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do, big, small. And when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest, and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who have experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Adam today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash Adam. Uh, let's bring it current day and let's go to your current team. I'm curious what it's like to try to defend Josh Allen in practice every day Ooh. so that you see what other defensive coordinators get to see on Sundays and Mondays. Yeah. No, it's a, it's a headache, man. He is uh, so, so good, uh, so clever, uh, a very smart quarterback. You know, the fans, they see the athleticism. 
uh, his ability to move in the pocket. But what I get a chance to study and watch and, and observe is his ability to be able to see things and manipulate uh, coverages, uh, manipulate the, the, the safeties, the linebackers with his eyes and, and, and some of the movements that he does and makes it really hard uh, for defense to really kind of lock in on something. Uh, he does so many things so well. So uh, I can only imagine what some of these defensive coordinators are going through and trying to prepare for Josh. I remember talking to some people in the Chiefs organization when Patrick Mahomes came in, and they would tell me that they used to go back after practice and not watch the video of the ones, the starting offense. They would go back and look at the third string offense because they wanted to see more throws of Mahomes, and they knew early in camp they could see right away how special he was. Was there a time, is there a moment that you were watching Josh in Buffalo during practice that you thought, we hit on this pick. We we got our guy. Well, early on, you saw the, the arm strength, and you knew, at least most of us did, because of the weather conditions here, he had something going for him. It was a matter of how accurate he would be, if you remember some of the conversations early on. And so when I saw him move around and saw how strong his arm was, but also uh, how much the players kind of gravitated to him, I said, man, this guy's talented. Mm-hmm. and he's a good leader as well. We may have something here, and sure enough, we do. Oh, you, you definitely do. And I saw you guys in person in Tennessee last year. I believe it was last year. It was two years ago. It all blends together for me now on a Monday night game. And I remember talking to Josh on the field, just talking about life in Buffalo, and I said to him, and he's just listening, if you guys ever were to win a Super Bowl, do you realize how that would be viewed and how you would go down in the history of that city and how it would be remembered. Having spent time there, could mm. you imagine what it would be like for that city to one day win a Super Bowl and the impact it would have? Oh, man. Uh, I, you know, I think about it uh, often like what all of us that have been here for a period of time, all the guys that came with Sean and what it would mean to this city to have gone to four consecutive Super Bowls and then coming up short. There are still some people that would come up to me from time to time and say, hey, I was there for those four Super Bowls. And, you know, I'm just hoping to, to see uh, uh, the Bills horse that trophy. And, um, man, I, I just know what it would do for Western New York if we could ever get it done. Uh, there's so much and so much love uh, for our players, from our fans, that you want to do it. You want to bring that championship to Buffalo so bad because they would really appreciate it. And the last thing I want to ask you about is would – there be any desire to one day be a head coach again? I know you're immersed in the season. You're not thinking about it, but just on a separate level, is that something that you would find appealing and have an interest in doing again sometime? Yeah. You know, this time of the year, like you said, you're so locked in from week to week on an opponent and what you're trying to get done. And all season, you know, you think about those things and I'd love to get another opportunity, Adam. Um, I don't know if it'll happen the way the league is going, the way things are, but I would love to get another opportunity. I think I could add value to an organization, and and I've learned a lot from my first experience. Well, almost ten years ago now, I've learned a lot over the years, and would love to be able to employ some of those. But I've got a great job, Adam. I'm in a great situation, and uh, I'll be fine. I'll be fine. Hey, there are two ways to look at that, Leslie. Number one. You are in a tremendous situation, and as long as that guy's playing quarterback there, you're going to get to be a successful defensive coordinator for the next decade plus if that's what you desire. But on the other hand, there are many 
coaches who, upon getting a second chance, have thrived with all the experiences that they took away from their first head coaching job and fare even better in their second job. And I can say this honestly and objectively, there are many coaches around the league who are viewed with the respect and the appreciation that you have across mm -hmm. the league. And I really mean that. Well, th thank you, Adam. I really appreciate that greatly. And, um, you know, we'll see what happens in the meantime. We're going to do our best to bring that championship to Buffalo, man. One game at a time. we got a lot of work ahead of us to get ready for these Titans. And uh, hopefully we can get it done. Leslie, I want to thank you for taking some time out of your preparations for Tennessee. Bills and Titans on Monday Night Football this week. The first game of the doubleheader, right? You're the early game. You're you're, you're the matinee, so to speak. <laughs> we'll take that. We're just glad to be able to be on national TV. We're looking forward to it. Hey, you know. You know what? I have a feeling there'll be plenty more opportunities for the Bills to be in the national spotlight later this season. I hope so. That means we're doing some good things. Thank you. And as I said to Leslie, and I'm not just saying this, there aren't many coaches, people who are any classier than Leslie Frazier. And I think you could hear that, how genuine he is in his voice. That's the kind of man that he is. And hopefully one day he will get a chance to be a head coach again. From Leslie Frazier to the former three-time Mr. World, man who has raised two NFL wide receivers, Equinamius St. Brown in Chicago and Amon Ross St. Brown in Detroit, John Brown. So, John, yes. I got to ask you, <laughs> what was this weekend like for the St. Brown family here? Oh, uh, yeah, this was uh, surreal. It was pretty crazy. You know, I'm sitting at the stadium. I was in De uh, Chicago. And a friend of mine was with me. He goes, hey, Amara just scored a touchdown. I thought, fantastic, right? And then a minute later, I saw Equinemia score. And I go, whoa, that, that was back to back. So that was kind of crazy. I was like, oh, man, it was kind of my dream. Well, my dream would be to have my third son score, to have them all on the same team. That was my 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 dream, to have them all on one team going down the field at one time. But my middle son hurt his foot, and he doesn't want to play anymore. I'm like, oh, man, Jesus. So there's four sons all together? Three. Three. Well, but, uh, and forgive me if I'm not pronouncing this right. Your your youngest son is Osiris? No, Amon-Ra. Osiris is the middle son. Osiris is the middle son. Yes. Amon-Ra is the youngest son. Yes. Equinamius is the oldest son. Yes, sir. Okay. So, so, so Osiris doesn't play anymore? No, he doesn't want to play anymore. Okay, but he played at Stanford. Played at Stanford, yeah. Okay, so that would have been the dream. So we get the next best dream, John, yeah, which is your two sons scoring touchdowns two minutes and 14 seconds apart. I was flying across the country. I'm watching Red Zone. I see Amin Roscoe yeah. score, and then I see Equinamia score. I'm like going, wow, what is John doing right now? Like, So you're in Chicago. In Chicago. And it actually, it actually kind of freaked me out. I, you know, even though I would hope that would happen, but it was, it was, it was unbelievable, man. It, it almost dropped me to my knees. Has there ever been another time where they scored on the same day or that close or anything like that that you remember, John, at any point in their football careers? That's a great question. Um, yeah, I think. Well, sorry, Amon Ra. And Osiris played on the same team. They scored in the same games before. Yeah. I just hadn't had them all three on the same team. And but never in the same day in the NFL. 
No, never in the same day in NFL. That's that was uh that was crazy, you know. So that has to be an unofficial world record of two brothers scoring the closest touchdowns ever <laughs> in NFL history. So you're the father of the son's record holder somehow, some way. So the St. Brown family made huge NFL history this weekend, yeah. which is why I reached out to you. Okay, cool. So let me ask you a question. Why Chicago in the rain rather than Detroit? And the indoors, why did Amon Ra draw the short straw there, John? Because what happened was I went to Amon Ra's preseason game, and I went to – so every year when Equinemius or anybody plays their first game, I'm going to their first game. Okay. It just so happened that I went to Equinemius's first game, obviously, four or five years ago, went to Amon Ra's first game. But since Equinemius went to a new team – I go, oh, I got to be at his first game because it's all it's starting all over again. So since it was a new team, that's why I decided I'm going to support. Equinemius. And I would imagine after your two sons scored the two touchdowns, two minutes and 14 seconds apart in real time, you probably heard a lot of messages from a lot of different people. Was there oh, one? man, I think I had like 75 messages. Okay, was there one that stood out to you above all the others that meant more to you, that was more meaningful? Oh, that was a good question. John, we try we try to ask good questions on this podcast. That, that, that's a great question. One that may have stood out would have been, uh, I'm trying to recall, did any haters call me? But they didn't. No haters called me. That would have been the one, if any haters called me. There are haters out there of the same Brown family? <laughs> no, you know, there's some haters that try to, you know, that's, that was always against me. Now they're, they're saying, you know, I'm wonderful now. But, uh no, not none stood out. Uh they're all equal. Uh maybe maybe uh the one that may stood out the most would have been from Steve Daniels, which is JT Daniels' dad. Because we've been playing together since we we're in they were in middle school. Wow. So Amara and JT been playing since they're in middle school. That long. And so me and his dad has been sitting together in the stands looking at each other and going, well, there it is again for a long time, middle school, high school, college, and now, you know, the pros. So what is the key to raising three boys who become football players the, the way that they have, two that go on to play in the NFL? What did you do that other parents haven't, John? Ooh. The short answer to that would be I was a bodybuilder. Yep. I saw the pictures. And by the way, let me cut you off. For the people who are listening, just Google John St. Brown bodybuilder. No, John Brown, because I changed the last name. That's another story. Okay, okay. that's another story. Okay, I'm glad I know that, too. So just Google John Brown, Mr. Universe. So hey, For those who are out there, Google John Brown bodybuilder and look at those images. And John, holy moly. Oh, yeah, it was a, it was a lot of work. But I tell you right now, it, I didn't know then, but now looking back, that was the best thing that happened because – in my opinion, when you play an individual sport, you learn something that a guy on a team sport won't learn. Mm -hmm. You learn what it really takes to be. Think about it. Every every person on the planet with two legs were invited to compete in the Mr. Universe contest. I mean, everyone. So when you win, you got to beat everybody that decided to come all over the planet. So it ain't easy. So I learned what the volume of work looks like. So when it came to raising my kids, a lot of kids, I see a family. I saw I saw a family, actually. And I go, I told the mom, I said, 
That boy was six feet. He was like 13 years old, was real athletic. If that was my son, he would go to the NFL. She goes, what are you talking about? I go, well, he has everything he needs. He just needs the guidance, the training. Look, most people think you play a sport, you go to practice, you do what the coach says, and you make it. No, you have to do extra work. You must understand the volume of work. Most people, they put in this much work and they need, they need this much work. They don't understand it. So the volume is, is, is what I contribute a lot of it to, understanding the volume. Very important. And for you, for those who don't know, you won Amateur Mr. Universe twice in 1981 yeah. and 1982, and you were Mr. World three times. Is that correct? Yeah, three times. So that work ethic that you had, I would imagine, was passed down to your three sons. And they oh, saw yeah. because we saw them working out in the gym on Hard Knocks with you, right? Yeah. So that's where they got that from? Oh, yeah. No question. I was, I would, I had a thing. I, I would blow a whistle. I go, line up. And they would line up close to the smallest. And I would tell them things about life. Just in case something hit me. And I would make them look me in the eye. Look me in the eye when I talk to you. You got to understand this here. I would see some something go on and I go, look, that's look over to your right. That's not going to work in life. Okay. Here's what you got to do. I saw two kids once after practice. My kids must have been seven, eight, nine. And I said, come over here, line up. And I said, look at that kid over there. He still have his football shoes on, his uniform, and he's joking around on the field. He'll never make it. If your feet are on the green grass, you never joke around. You take stuff serious. And we don't train, we don't train to compete. We train to annihilate because if you try to compete, you may come in second. <laughs> you see? So we train to annihilate people. This is very important. Very important. I love that. Is that, so that's one of the lessons of John Brown. Yeah. Are there other ones that stand out to you that you think impacted your boys? Yeah, there's a lot. So yeah, uh, figure that. Never let anybody outwork you. Never, ever. If someone on your team is working hard. You double time it. You know, like my son was talking. I was with my equanimous was on the phone with uh, Odell Beckham Jr.'s with him himself when Odell was leaving LSU. And Odell, I told my son, ask Odell how many jug balls he catch a day, right? And he told him 200. I said, he catch 200 a day? He said, okay, we're going to catch 202. Because if we do 200, we're only as good as him. If we do 200, we'll be as you know, 202 would be better than him. So that's one of the things I I, I taught him, you know. Uh, I, t I taught him about lifting weights, how important lifting weights are. A lot of people have a misunderstanding when it comes to lifting weights. Look, I was three times Mr. World, two times Mr. Universe. This is my domain. I understand lifting weights. I understand muscle building. That's my, that's my thing. If Look, you're not going to go to... If you want to get your teeth worked on, you're not going to go to a mechanic and have working your, your damn teeth. You understand? You're going to go to the right guy. So a lot of these football coaches, if I want to know something about football, I go to a football coach. I don't know I don't know much about plays and, and, and schemes and all that. That's their realm. But when it comes to this, I know what I'm talking about. So I talked to my boys and said, look, here's some things you do. Here's some things you don't do. I know your coach is going to tell you to do them, but don't do them because these, these exercises will hurt you. I don't believe in stretching. People think I'm crazy. What? I told my son, never stretch. Really? Just stretching is bad for you. But everyone's stretching because some fool, I don't know who he was. He started stretching. He said it was good for you. 
And we all been doing this since 19 freaking 20 or something. Tom Brady would like to have a row with you, John. Okay, look, let me explain something to you. What's would you rather have? A, a loose rubber band or a tight rubber band? What has more power? The tight rubber band, but it's more likely to snap. No, no, it's not gonna snap. Look, when in 19, I think it was 1964 when the war was going on in, in Normandy, World War II, and they hit the beach. And the bullets start flying, and them fools start running. I can tell you this right now: no one pulled a hammy, and no one—they didn't stretch. They just got up out of there. So, <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. I don't know where this came from. Look, it's like this here: if you have a scab on your arm, and you stretch that skin, the scab is going to reopen. Look, Chris Paul, Devin Booker. How in the world you're in the championship series and you pull your hamstring? That shouldn't happen. There's something wrong. They don't get it because they're not. Look, there's a difference between practice and theory. These guys are all reading books, these trainers, and, 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 but they've never done it. Listen to me. If you, if I was a coach, a trainer, and I had Chris Paul, here's the thing. Every human being, most of them have a chain. and Every chain has a weak link. For Chris Paul, it's his hamstring. Chris Paul has to understand that his hamstring is weak. And he has to train it a certain way, which I won't say, to strengthen it for the rest of his life until he dies. But if you stretch it, stretch it, you re-injure it. It's terrible. It's not, it's not right. It's not right, I'm telling you. So Amon Ra and Equinamius and the rest of their teammates are stretching. Are they not stretching pregame? They fake stretch. <laughs> is that right? Yeah, because look. <laughs> Perfect example, Equinemius. Yeah. I get a call from Notre Dame that your son pulled his hammy. I go, how can my son pull his hammy? He never stretches, right? Yeah. Now, I'm not saying I'm not saying to you, uh, without stretching, you won't pull a hammy. You may pull it because there's another reason you pull your hammy right. besides stretching. But I said to him, I said, son, have you been stretching? He goes, yeah. I go, why did you start stretching? Well, they said I, I, I was too tight. Oh, my God. Don't listen to that. You know? Well, that's you. And you've also started Cane Protein. Yes. And can you tell me a little about the company that you own, John, and the benefits of Cane Protein? Go ahead. Okay. So I started Cane Protein because, and when my kids were little kids, because yep. I went to school, middle school to elementary school, and I saw their lunch. I go, oh, no, no, no. We can't go to the NFL eating this here. So I got some friends of mine together who, who I knew they owned some companies, and I said, give me a uh, protein powder for kids and they made this powder for me and I gave it to my kids for many years Wow, protein is very important because well first of all the word protein is a Greek word and it means most important that's what the word it comes from so protein is really important for people and especially kids if you got a 12 year old boy he needs more protein than you and I because he's growing it's very important for parents to understand that so I knew that, and so I gave my kids protein, and it's called Cane, C-A-N-E, not K. C-A-N-E, if people want to know about it, they can go to Amazon, or they can go straight to, to my website, Cane Protein, order it, and you can go to my website and download my training program. Hmm. It's free. You know, it's hard, but you can do it. You sound like a man ahead of your time between protein, lifting, avoiding stretching like you were doing these things way back when and everybody's got their own training methods today and it's become more unique and more specialized mm -hmm. but you were you probably were people looked at you probably in the in in, in your in the 80s and thought you're out of your mind oh yeah i mean 
they thought I was training too hard. Yeah. But not bodybuilders. Some bodybuilders, the, the, the soft ones, you know, a, a soft guy will always make an excuse. Well, he trained, John's training too much. He's training too hard because he's soft. I understand that. But uh, most bodybuilders would understand when they see me training, they go, wow, I don't know if I could do that, but it's, it's pretty, it's pretty intense. My training program is not for everybody. What is the remainder of the travel schedule this football season? How is that going to be determined, whether you're going to be in Detroit or Chicago or wherever the Lions or Bears are playing? That's a coin flip. So I'll, me and my wife will sit down and decide which game she wants to go to, which game I really want to go to, write them down, look at the schedule and go, okay, then let's go to this game together and you go here and I go there. Was she with you in Chicago on Sunday or was she in Detroit? She was home. She was home. Okay. She was at home. She, she didn't want to see. She, she didn't want to see any of the games. So she's gonna decide which game she want to see. So I think she's next. Her next game will be in Detroit. Be in uh, Chicago. Yep. And mine will be in Detroit because she she wasn't with me. She wanted. She haven't seen Equinemius his home, his living quarters. Yep. I'm sure she wants to go to organize everything for him. Which city do we like better, by the way, John? Detroit or oh, Chicago? Oh, the city itself. Yeah. Not talking about the people. I like them both. Uh, wow. I, 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 I'm familiar with Detroit, you know, so I, I like Detroit because I can move around. And D Chicago was was amazing. It's just so big and parking is crazy. You can't <laughs> park anywhere, right? Come visit but me was, in New York, John. You want to know crazy parking? Come oh, visit me in New York. Oh man, okay. it's it's it's. Okay. Uh, but it it was Chicago. Was, I I loved it, and my son he loves it. Uh, and that's what's important to me that they both have a good time, you know. And you know, like I said, the NFL has been real. I'm not saying I'm not I'm I'm not the guy I'm not the guy who who just talks BS to people, right? I got a thing I call black coffee. When I say black coffee, I'm talking black coffee. That means I'm not putting sugar, no cream in it. I just give it to you straight. Now, I understand not everybody can drink black coffee straight. Some people have a problem with it. They need a little cream, a little sugar. But I just give it to you straight, just how I am. I'm not trying to be disrespectful to anybody. It's just how I am. So when I say the NFL has been unbelievable to my kids and my family, I mean that. Unbelievable. John, I appreciate you having some coffee with me today. Black coffee. <laughs> yeah. I'm honored <laughs> to hear the lessons of John Brown. I wish came protein a lot of luck, and I wish your boys the best of luck the rest of the season. Thank you for your time today. All right, baby. Wow. The lessons of John Brown. And I have a feeling that if we hadn't run out of time, we could have learned a lot more about stretching, life, raising young men, protein powders, all sorts of things. John Brown. Wow. That's quite an education, and we – now have a better idea as to why Equinamius and Amon Ra turned out the way they did. Great job, John Brown. Thank you for the time again. Want to point out as we head into week two, and there is hysteria in 16 NFL cities and jubilation in 16 others. Let's think back to this time last year. After week one of last year, the Cardinals had blown out the Tennessee Titans, and the sky was falling in Tennessee at that time. And the Saints had blown out the Green Bay Packers, and the sky was falling on Green Bay. That was after one week of the NFL season last year. And what happened was both those teams, the Tennessee Titans and the Green Bay Packers, went on to become the respective number one seeds 
in each of their conferences. Tennessee in the AFC, Green Bay in the NFC, despite their opening day losses last year. So last weekend was just a small snapshot, one seventeenth of what will unfold here in the coming weeks and months. And just because a team lost, and just because a team lost ugly, doesn't mean that this season is over and doomed. Just the start of a long race. So we'll keep in mind what happened last season as we begin to watch what happens the rest of this season. And there's still plenty of hope for some of these teams that did lose on opening week. All right, we want to thank Leslie Frazier for his time today. We want to thank John Brown. I want to thank my great producers, Christina Buswell and Sarah Abbott. And I want to thank you, the listener, for tuning into another Adam Schefter podcast. Please join us again next week. We'll be back in this spot with more information, insights, and interviews. Until then, have a great week and enjoy week two.